whatever your body type is, I think there's something beautiful about having an imagination about that, like leaving things to the imagination. Like, wow, where has this person been? What is their life? Like, what does she embody? What is she about? What has she gone through with her body? Because everybody, every woman goes through something with their body. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. When I first launched this show, I had a list of about 200 people that I really wanted to have on the show. People that I knew, didn't know. I had read their books. I had watched them work. I had known them through other people. I admired them. I was inspired by them. And in some way, shape, or form, they had impacted me. And today's guest, Caroline Burkle, is one of those people. And the best part about all of this is she went from being someone I knew through a girl I went to college with And she's now become a really dear friend of mine. And we spend time together at the gym and away from there and have gotten to know each other in amazing ways. And I'm so excited that I get to share her story with you today because she is one of the most remarkable women that I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm so impressed by the journey that she's on, the choices that she's making, and the woman that she's becoming every day. She is an Olympian, the co-founder of Rise Athletes, an artist, and an incredible human. I was just in her art show, her very first art show, which was so cool. And I got to participate in that and watch her just soak in every last moment that night, which was really special. And in this episode, Caroline and I talk about body image and loving yourself, the internal dialogue that we have, and how she views other women and herself, and how that's changed from when she was a competitive athlete to now surrounding herself consciously with an incredible group of powerful women. And her personal development over the years, the relationships that she's had, the chaos and the childhood wounding and the patterns that she is working to break free from. This girl is so special. And I can't recommend you listening to this show enough. You're going to learn so much. And honestly, I could have gone on and on with her for hours. This is one of the deepest conversations I've ever had recorded. And I'm so grateful for her and the honesty and the rawness that she brought to this one. Before we get into this, don't forget, only a few tickets are left for my event, Ceremony Wellness Live on October 5th here in Los Angeles, a full day of wellness. And guess what? Caroline will be speaking on a panel with Connor. They'll be talking about so many different things. I can't control them. That's really what this comes down to. They're going to dictate whatever they want to that day and talk about all the things and I really have no input. So you're welcome to join for that. I'm sure it will be incredible. But aside from that, I have a little more control. We'll be talking about functional medicine and Ayurveda, conscious relationships, motherhood, postpartum, sexuality, and so much more. By the way, if you haven't heard yet, the goodie bags for live are ridiculous. All full-size products from my favorite brands that I've talked about on this show that I've shared on social media. These are basically, I know I'm a little biased, but the best goodie bags that I've ever seen at an event. And I'm really excited to give them to you as you walk out the door. So go to kellytenant.com slash live, get your tickets, and I'm going to give you a little secret. 
If you use live, you get a discount. Don't tell anybody I told you. Enjoy this episode. Should we talk about my soul home painting? Yes. That you helped me find? Is that what we're going to talk about first? Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you. I bought one of hers. <gasps> you did? Last weekend at the oh art my show. God. Yeah. And so I met her and I was talking to her and she was like, I went over and signed her painting. She yeah. was super excited. It's the best. It was really cool. Dude, I'm so <laughs> glad you posted about that. Oh my God. It's so hot. It's perfect. I just love that I have like boobs and butts on my wall as you walk in. like, well, And an arm and like a side profile, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, because I think the cool thing is it's that so cool. you as an artist, artiste, the fancy <laughs> artiste that you are, <laughs> you paint women. Yes. Which I think is super interesting because what I'm learning more and more is that not that we're all lesbians Mm -hmm. and say that, but I think that there's all women are attracted to other women because all women are so beautiful Mm -hmm. and there's that connectedness. And so it's so interesting. And I've, I've wanted to talk to you about this, but I was saving it for the show. (laughs) Can't wait. But I was just thinking about why you chose to paint women and what goes into that in the way you view women in your real world. This is like the most perfect timing for this question. Okay, so I'm going to back up to the beginning of my art, not obsession, but endeavor. And so I went in high school, I was in AP art, IB art, like there's different courses and classes or whatever. And then in college, I couldn't take art because of swimming. So uh, I veered away from it. And then I went to fashion school. After I left Florida, I moved out to California and I immediately went into fashion school, which was awesome. Well, a little bit later, like a year and a half later. And we sketched women because you just sketch fashion sketches. And yes, you sketch men, but you sketch these like perfect, wrangly, skinny model, runway model figures, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a Barbie doll, which is not actual proportions of a woman. And I remember being like so upset about it because I was like, I'm a strong girl, you know, like I'm a woman that has muscles and biceps and, you know, whatever. And in the meantime, I didn't understand like that I could do something different. I could sketch something different Mm -hmm. than that. So I did what I was told and it was really interesting. And I don't know, I can't like blame that for how... um, Obviously, how I saw the the woman, the female body, but I was also very unhealthy. Like I was really, really thin, not healthy at all. I was like thirty pounds lighter than I am now. Mm. And I after was, you finished swimming, uh huh. Okay, I was very sick, like but depressed, sick, not healthy, not well. And I was okay with sketching that because to me it was like that's the ideal. That's like what. I should look like or what I should be like. And I'm recognizing all of that now. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. And I'm not saying that sketching fashion sketches is going to cause people to do that. I was going through my own things. And so what I recognized was um, throughout the process of leaving fashion school and going into my post-athletic career life, I have went through this whole spectrum of body image issues with myself. And so now when I sketch women, I'm sketching the journey of myself mm-hmm. in a way. So it like depicts my journey and how I feel about my body and how I feel about how I view the woman body. 
And it's so cool because I don't have a plan when I start. I just start. Wow. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I just go for it. And the reason why I only do charcoal silhouettes and only just plain charcoal silhouettes is because I feel like that's the, that's the truth. That's the truth of a, of a woman is this, this beautiful figure, this body that can be full of whatever she wants it to be full of. It doesn't need to have all of these things to fill it up. And so that's why I sketch them mainly naked mm-hmm. or just the outlines of them because it's like the embodiment of um, the whole woman doesn't have to have all of these things to complete her. Mm. She can be just simple as is like that. No faces, no hands left to interpretation for people and for yourself. Wow. And um last thing I'll say on that part is I'm actually reading this awesome book right now called Understanding Comics. And it's on it's on comics, like com- not comedians, but comics, like the actual newspaper comics. Oh, okay. And it's like the history of it and how it all pans out and like what we see and how we interpret it. And the whole thing is like the line of comics is not just the story that it's telling verbally. It's like the spaces in between and how most comics don't really have faces. They just have the outline of a face or like the like, you know, the stick figure style looking face, you know, just hair and like mm-hmm. little eyes and like a two dots for a nose or something, because that's what we see in ourselves. Because if you look at a figure and it has like perfect everything, like like an actual portrait, you're looking at that thing. Mm. But if you look at something like without a face or without an identity, you're putting yourself into that piece. So it was like a really cool thing because when I when I was reading that book, I was like, holy shit. Like I that's what like that's why I do that. Like I don't want these figures and these muses, I call them, to have this identity that I don't I'm not trying to tell people how to like what to look at. My whole point is to like put themselves into that and interpret it for themselves. Okay. So what that brings up for me now is especially with women, there's mm-hmm. just such a competitive culture and comparison culture, right? Like she's prettier than me. She has this, she has that. Look at her, her eyes are better. Her hair is blonder, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone fully done with eyes and all of that, you're constantly comparing yourself. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it is when that is gone, you then relate and see yourself within them. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. Every time there's a mask, you see that as something that you're not quite sure of, right? Like, like take it to Halloween, for example, as a kid. Mm-hmm. You look at something with a mask and you're like, oh, that's that. But then all of a sudden you get curious, like what's behind it? So then they take the mask off and all of a sudden they see, oh, I can relate. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of this, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, I think, with being a woman and having all of this pressure to like, do things to yourself and to appear a certain way and to look a certain way. And sure, it's fun. Sure, makeup is fun. Sure, all of these treatments and whatever we do are fun. I do it. I mean, I do facials and things like that, but I'm not doing it to change who I am. I'm doing it to help myself. It's almost like a revealing of yourself more. Like if I go get a facial or something, that's my way of doing that. So yeah, I could go into that for a while. I think that that's a really fascinating point though about having the... Like, what's the true identity? Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. Well, so the reason I bought this painting, and mm-hmm. I've talked about this a little bit on the show, but and now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh my God, I totally get it. Because I don't compare myself to this painting of beautiful women like mm-hmm. meshed together. Mm-hmm. 
and these beautiful bodies and the whole thing, I see myself in that, yeah. which is why I wanted it so badly. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, all women are connected energy. This is why I love them. This is why I want to be surrounded by them. This is why I feel at home with them. Right. Rather than there's a picture of a woman with a face who looks a certain way that then makes me feel bad about myself. And I don't see myself relating at all. I see yeah. myself actually not as good as her. Yeah. Whatever that conversation is about right. in your head. Yeah. I think there's something beautiful about leaving things to the imagination and seeing like, I mean, I know people can't see this painting, but there's no faces. <laughs> there's, you know, it's like you're you're viewing these body parts to where you can relate to them. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so like I am, I am willing to admit that before I really started to get in touch with my femininity, because as an athlete, I was like, you got to be like masculine. You're not feminine at all. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just got to do all this shit and like prove myself Mm -hmm. and like get bigger through pain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, what's being a girl, you know? And it was like prized to be, to not have periods Mm -hmm. and to not have, um, emotions and you know cycles of of moods or like it was it was a prize like oh wow you're consistent you're tough that means you can't have all of those things and so i think before all of that like i i just i would like poo poo these kinds of conversations cuz i was like why are it it doesn't even matter you know like i rem- even the 5 6 years ago it was like don't not i don't need to talk about any of that cuz it doesn't matter mm-hmm. And so now I'm, I mean, my journey has gone in a million different directions, but I think there's something really special about being able to uh, look at art, look at a woman's body, look at their life. And no matter if you're like six foot, whatever, like we are and like athletes, or if you are like petite and curvy, like whatever your body type is, I think there's something beautiful about having an imagination about that, like leaving things to the imagination. Like, wow, where has this person been? What is their life? Like, what does she embody? What is she about? What has she gone through with her body? Because everybody, every woman goes through something with their body. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just very passionate about that because I feel like I ignored that for so long. I didn't pay attention to the power of that relationship with my own body. Mm -hmm. So when we were at your art show Mm -hmm. uh, at Shockbox a Mm -hmm. few weeks ago, I remember being in the room with you before everything started. And I don't know what you were doing, but you were talking about it to someone. And it was sort of the the order in which the paintings had gone up. Mm -hmm. And you said wow, I didn't even think about this. The first one that was up was like this old, old version of you. Yeah. And she looked completely different than homegirl on the other side of the room. Yeah. And it was the evolution of you in a circle in that room. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, to be you in that moment and to realize that where you had come from, to acknowledge acknowledge that, to see it, up on a wall and then to watch it change from woman to woman and to see how she got a little more voluptuous mm-hmm. and she got a little more risque and she wasn't so put together and trying to be perfect and mm-hmm. this pillar of strength and all these different things that we try and be. Mm-hmm. And she was just present and beautiful and in her body. Yeah. What was that like for you? You're going to make me cry because <laughs> I feel... Uh... <sighs> 
I'm reflecting on this so much now, more than ever, just my relationship with my body and my life from when I was a little girl until now. And I remember always being told like when I was younger in high school or something like, you know, you're too skinny or you need to look like this. And it's crazy how much of an imprint that had like just boom, stamped in my, in my mind for so long. And, um, and then you go through being a professional athlete and you are, you got to be bigger and faster and stronger, but then you got to like lose weight and cut and like do all these things, but then you're not big enough. You got to like gain the weight back and then you got to do that. You know, so it was like this yo-yo to retiring, losing 30 pounds of body weight, not having periods for a decade to now where it took me three major traumatic injuries for me to recognize that I need to slow down mm. and have a new relationship with my body. To, like I'm taking a 10,000 foot view here. I'm taking a bird's eye view and saying, okay, wow. I've, I can fully admit that I've been through every judgment of myself possible. And so when I first put those paintings up, I remember, and when you said that, it was like when I first noticed that that was my old self, I did have a moment of judgment. Like, mm. weird. Why did... So I'm still judging my old self? Like, am I, am I still thinking that that's this? And this one now, the one that's now, present time, that doesn't look like me either. <laughs> She's got double D boobs. Yeah. I don't have that, right? You're so, like, dream life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have big boobs, but the painting version of right. me will. But there's my alter ego. <laughs> do you have a name for your oh, alter ego? I, I was just way. about to say, like, what do I, how do I name this? Oh, like, <laughs> we need to come need up with one by the end of the show. Veronica. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, horrible. Yeah, but why never did she have a deep voice like that? Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's uh, the movie? Veronica Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, Billy Madison. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's crazy how I still have judgment. So I think the biggest uh, area of work for myself right now is releasing judgment of what I have viewed my body mm-hmm. like for so long because I viewed it as an instrument that it wasn't an instrument that was like used with grace and love and like a proud instrument, like, oh, how instrumental is this body? It was like, you need to figure out how the hell to use this shit and kick ass and do it in the way that you should do it. And that's fine. I needed my body for my sport. I needed my body for my life. I get it. But also I had no relationship with my body outside of that. I was never taught that, yes, your body is used for that. And also, guess what? Your body can make babies. Your body can have periods. Your body can, like, your body can do all these things and can be resilient and not just perform in order to win a medal or to do these these things to prove yourself to people and for everybody to accept you and to love you and to think that your body's banging and you got a cute butt and like all these things. Like those were like the the things that I strived for, mm. you know. And in high school, when I didn't have those yet, when I was awkward and in puberty, I would judge myself, right? So that first one was like this judgment of like. Who was I? <laughs> what are you judging in that old version of you? That I wanted to impress, that I wanted everybody to accept that I was thin and fit. And to be honest, it was a badge of honor to be one of the smaller women mm. on the national team mm. and to look like skinny and fit. And like I wore the size small. Yeah. And it was, it's heartbreaking. I judged myself for thinking that 
not only about myself, but about my community and like other, like I'm judging other people by even saying that. Right. Like, where did I learn that behavior? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter where I learned it. I think we're all conditioned in different ways, but I think it's also, there wasn't a really big focus on accepting everybody's bodies when I was in college. I don't know if you feel the same way. Totally. There wasn't, Mm -mm. this wasn't a thing. Not at all. You know, there wasn't a, I mean, I, I remember having coaches come down on girls that were not looking the way that they wanted them to look. I'm talking intensely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same. And they'd be performing well. So it was confusing to everybody, you know? So it's like everybody is in a different bodysuit and everybody has a different size. Just because they're a different size doesn't mean they're not going to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Half my team had eating disorders. Yeah. Before, during, and after playing. Right. It's like you said, like yo-yoing and everyone Mm -hmm. was constantly striving to have something that another girl had Mm -hmm. and it was never good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you look at the competitive side of things for you with other women, Mm -hmm. which is what is ingrained in us from a very young age for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. but being at the level you were in the Olympics Mm -hmm. swimming for so long, out to get people, like cutthroat as hell, Mm -hmm. to now being such an advocate for other women and the best cheerleader and the most amazing friend. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you to look back at that version of yourself that was like, I will do anything to take this girl down because I got to win? So I had that trait, but I also didn't. I had the trait of, I hope she doesn't get mad at me if I beat her because I know I'm going to kick her ass. I really hope she's not mad at me. And that carried on hard. And that's part of the work that I'm doing now is understanding I can't control everybody's deals and emotions. And yeah. But I would worry. Mm. I mean, I, I remember multiple occasions where it was like, I was already predicting that so-and-so was going to be mad at me if I beat them. And that quality was really challenging for me Mm. because essentially you're setting yourself up for a lot of different emotions and feelings through that throughout your life. If you're always worried that somebody's going to be mad at you, that's like a very dependent, you know, that's like a, a, it's a very um, self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, okay. So they're not mad at me. Great. I win, you know, or if they are, then, oh no, everybody like back me up. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Like, yeah. ah, help, you know. It's so hard because I'm so good at things and everyone hates me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, everybody's just jealous. They're like, they don't, blah, blah, blah. And like, if I could do that, then I could get out of the attention of winning too. It was like, I liked that, but I didn't like it because I didn't know how to handle it because it wasn't worthy. And I didn't think I was good enough to do it. So I had, it's interesting. I had, um, and there's a lot of shame around this conversation right now that I'm dealing with right now with my coach. AKA therapist, but she's a coach. (laughs) Uh, And we're working a lot on this right now. And it's like, we're hitting this actually at the perfect timing because we're working on the shame surrounding why I wasn't worthy of having success and why I wasn't worthy of being loved Mm -hmm. and why I wasn't worthy of having things good happen to me or the other shoe's going to drop. And so... Oh no, 
You know, so it's this whole catch 22. Like the whole thing is just this cycle that just goes around and around. If this, then this, and over and over and over and over again. And what I'm recognizing now is somewhere in my life, just like every single person on the planet, I was conditioned to think I wasn't enough somehow. And it was my choice, you know, from whatever it was, but I wasn't enough. And so if I won or if I did well, or if something went well, still wasn't, I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. I could never be proud of myself. I would deflect it. I wasn't enough. It wasn't a humble thing. It was like, I don't deserve that. And I remember even, and don't get me wrong, I was a competitive little little chick. Like I was really competitive. Like I would do anything in my power, but it was like this, oh no, feeling mm-hmm. afterward. Like, oh no, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember the Olympics, like I was worried that someone was going to be upset that I was on the, the final relay and they weren't like, I was stressing about it. <laughs> You know, and that's like an extreme example that would happen daily. But, but that's were an you example. were you worried about it for them, or you were you worried about it for yourself? For myself, yeah. I was somewhere I wasn't worthy, and this has been something even till now. I mean, I'm working on this four days ago, and I work on it again on Wednesday this week. It's like, why am I not enough? Why am I not good enough? Why can't I figure out what like what's wrong with me? And it's weird. It's like this addicting feeling to have. Like I, It's almost like I liked being in that space. And that's why it drove me into being 120 pounds for you know, six years of my life when I retired and without periods, not, like, not worthy. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Nobody, you know, not worthy. And so I could quote unquote, blame it on a ton of different situations. I could blame it on bad boyfriends. I could blame it on abusive situations with coaches and boyfriends and whatever. And yes, those were gnarly. And that is a huge part of a lot of it. However, I had that before that. Yeah, it started and now I'm realizing that. that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why I kept choosing that path. Yep. And, you know, so to circle back to what you were saying, I I have this, this shame surrounding that, like surrounding... Um, not being good enough and being worried about every little thing. It's almost worse than like being like, I'm going to kick your ass. And like, now I'm going to, you know, be positive. Like, you know, now now I'm in a better place. It's almost worse having the shame because I'm like, gosh, (laughs) like I'm, I run a business where this is important. And here I am human as F. (laughs) You can cuss, it's okay. Human as fuck. (laughs) Shame, shameful of my own path. Mm-hmm. Like I'm shameful that I'm running a business sometimes where I'm teaching high school men and women to believe in themselves. And I mean, granted, I'm not doing as much mentoring anymore as I am the business stuff, but I'm sitting there standing behind this thing. Like I should feel, you know, amazing and, and hold that standard. And, and I'm not like, I still have shame around that. But that's why you do it. Right. That's why you created Rise. Yeah. That's why you do everything you do. That's why you draw pictures of women. It's why right. you work with young kids, mm-hmm. men or women. It's because those are the things you needed. Yeah. Like this is how you're working it's still through healing. your own shame. <laughs> oh my God. And it could be a whole lifetime of healing. You could take it into your next lifetime. You know, we keep getting the lessons until we learn the lesson. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is your lesson that ends the next year or 
ends in the next life. But to me, it's like, that's why we do this. And that's why I have this show. That's true. And I think there's such a taboo uh, around healing right now. And, and I think that there's so much out there that stresses me out because I'm like, we're never healed. We are never... like You are always going to be doing your work and working through things. I don't care when it is. And I fully expect in 15 years to be in this position right here, talking about the same things I'm healing from right now. And you know, it's like, that's, that's part of life. And I think that if we can start to see it as a positive thing instead of the shameful thing, which that's what I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. it's, it's not shameful. Like we're always healing, mm-hmm. you know? And I think um, as an athlete, I always think there's an end. I'm like, oh, perfect. Like, so I just check that healing box like in six months and it's about get it on the road. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And my coach actually posed this question to me a couple of weeks ago. She was like, what would you be without anything that you've done? And what other boxes do you need to check? You know? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, what are you, where are you, what are you trying to check off here? Like mm-hmm. what's... What do you, you know, what's the purpose of, of focusing on, okay, I'll just get there, check. Okay, great. Then that's the next checkpoint. Great. Check that off. You're not done there. <laughs> you know, and I actually had this talk with Embo too. Mm-hmm. You know, without having results, who are you? Because mm-hmm. everything I've done has had a result. Even an eight-week strongman course. Perfect. I'm done in eight weeks. Great. Eight weeks, graduation, woo. And then I'm done. And I'm like, now what? You know, and so it's this whole thing. There's always like, you can check the box, but you're not done. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really learning that right now. It's a continuum. Mm. I want to go back to sort of that core of your shame and not feeling good enough. Mm-hmm. And I know you journal a lot and every morning I read your, your <laughs> entries, probably not the whole thing because you know we can't share all of our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I read your stuff on Instagram and it's so yeah. beautifully written and, and oh, the whole thing, which is lovely. But what I'm curious about is you know, I think the beautiful part of journaling is that the more you write, the more you start to see patterns. And the same triggers are the same core wounds creating things in different ways and yeah. manifesting in different ways. And what is coming up for you that you've been able to pinpoint as core wounds that are now coming forward? The not enough too much uh, concept. So... I'm not enough, but I'm also too much. I don't want to be too much, but I'm also not enough. And I recognize that's a very common thing for women to feel right now, especially like, you know, I I think our our previous uh, generation, aka our upbringing maybe was like, you know, don't be too much, like be perfect, sit in the corner, cross your legs, do that thing, you know, be very proper, whatever. I grew up in the South, so, you know. Yeah. Kind of, but that is really deep for me right now. Like I have been working through, I'm not enough. And, but I'm also, I don't want to be too much because if I'm too much, I'll be left. And if I'm not enough, I'll be left. So it's like this abandonment. When did you learn that? You mean, when do I, when have I recognized that that started? Or when do, when do, were you too much that someone left or that you believed that someone was going to leave? I don't know. When did you see that? I think that right now, the too much thing is with women mm. and the not enough thing is with men. I've never felt not enough for a woman. <laughs> yeah. But I feel too much for my women friends, you know? Totally. But then my boyfriends, I'm not enough. 
but I've never felt too much for them. I can be like, you know, ah. And when that does show up that I'm like too much, I'm like, oh, for a guy, I'm like, oh, that's weird. You know, and I don't know if it's because I grew up with tons of brothers and cousins, boy cousins and everything. I kind of grew up like in a very heavy male environment. So I was like used to like, you know, hang in and like not gonna be too much because they need me to step up, you know, it's like, I'd be more, you know. <laughs> but now I, um, I'm really, I'm recognizing that. And I, I have a hard time with that still because I don't understand. I think I try too hard to figure out where it comes from rather than just working from now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I know it's somewhere, so let's work from now because it's not going to serve me to sit there and dissect where, like what's that going to do at this point? Yeah. Sure, it helps you understand, but that should come up naturally somehow mm-hmm. versus like, ah, God, was it like this. July 1994? You know, like it's not going to work that way. Right. So that's been huge for me. And also, um, I think that I've had a a history of not so healthy relationships. And uh, this one like gets me really emotional. I've recently realized that uh, I've been very addicted. I don't know if that's the right word. I never know if that's the right word. I veer towards... I, I. move towards chaos because that's comfortable. And I definitely know when that started. And that is like a, you know, that's a deep, deeper rooted, you know, 30 year old thing that I'm dealing with. But I think I could speak probably for a lot of athletes and female athletes, women athletes, that uh, the being too much, not enough thing but also the being addicted to chaos thing because that's how I learned how to survive and perform. Mm -hmm. The more addicted I was to the high and like the stress and the drama and whatever, I would get better. I was better at everything I did. The more I could overcome that shit and just like go through the hard shit and be up all night crying and like, you know, dramatically screaming at somebody or, you know, whatever it was. And Mm -hmm. it's not really that realistic, but, you know, having a really long fight with somebody and then performing the next morning, making the Olympic team the next day. Like that was how I led my life. It was like, how horrible can it be? How much stress can I endure in a 24-hour phase and then Mm. go and perform? Because I could perform really well under pressure and under stress. It was like this, yeah. I didn't perform well when I was bored. Like, right. No. You're defeated. I needed the stress. Yeah, it was the same way. I'm curious what that feels like for you now when you are around other women and when you see, you know, you. it's almost like you have out-of-body experiences. I'm sure you have this too. Um, we're very similar in that way. Like, take a step out of your body, watching yourself in a scenario, mm-hmm. maybe at the gym. And you're watching yourself interact and you're like, do I do this? Do I not? Do I do this? Do I not? What is she going to think? Is this going to be too much? Is she going to choose me? Is she going to laugh? Is she going to be like, well, fuck you. This is so annoying. What is that process like for you? I like fully admit, first of all, I like, I don't bullshit. Like I just say it straight up. If I'm insecure about something, people can pretend like their lives are like, no, I'll tell you what I do. I'm like, actually, I don't know what I do. I leave in my car and cry on the way back to Redondo or like I cry, you know, on the way to up North or like wherever I'm going, I'm just like, I'll, I'll process my emotions in my car. (laughs) And so if I'm at, 
a setting or an event or a gym or a coffee shop, or whatever. And I feel this energy from people where if I'm meeting a group of girls or if I'm at a workout with a group of girls and I feel like I don't, not necessarily fit in, but yeah, I feel like I don't fit in. I mean, that was my upbringing. I didn't feel like I ever fit in. I was always told I was quote unquote special and like different. And Caroline, you're you're so good and like you're so successful and you're really fast and you're getting good grades. But like, you know, I'm just like, I was never cool, right? Like I wasn't the cool kid, but then I was always the girl that the cool kids came to to like think they were still cool, but like good, but cool, but like athlete girl, but you know, confused. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, I, I feel I feel like I just don't fit in. So I'm like, I feel left out or I don't fit in. And I turn into younger Caroline. And something that I'm working on right now is like adult Caroline and younger Caroline and like soul self. Like who's, you know, who's she looking at right yeah. now? And I've, I still go straight back to younger Caroline. Oh yeah, I'm just going to cry in my car and pout in the corner and somebody doesn't like me. And so... What is that about? Because I so badly want to be liked, but I also just so badly love connection so much. And so when I feel like people aren't connecting for some reason, I'm like, I don't understand. Like I get really like confused. Like I really want to understand because I care and I love so hard. So I'm like, is the person not like me? Like, how do I ask that? Like I'm processing it. Like I don't understand. Okay, I'm like 15 years old and I feel like this girl doesn't like me. And why doesn't she like me? I don't get it. What did I do? I was nice. I don't understand. But did I do something wrong? You know, and so I like dissect it and then that whole like too much, not enough. Okay, let's like make this really hard to overcome it. So chaos, right? So it's like that whole pattern still continues sometimes. So I have to remove myself from like 15-year-old Caroline and be like, okay, what's really true in this situation? Mm-hmm. Do you know the facts or are you assuming? Like, what is it? Don't veer towards survival and just try and make it all work and perfect and everything. Like what, what are the actual facts here? Yeah. So in those situations, uh, I think even in one year, I've come such a long way from just processing it in a little bit of more of a mature fashion and communicating it to where it's like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I felt this. Was I off? Would love to talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I, I went into a cave recently just going through this process because it's I was like, I just need some time to figure out like what's occurring in my life. Like, whoa, it's all happening so fast that I'm realizing like what I go to for survival mm-hmm. and it's gnarly, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't blame it on any certain thing, but I'm choosing certain things because of that. And so um, I actually credit Kimmy to that a lot because she's like heavy hitter on the truth. And so she can be like, hey, I see you right now. That's what you're doing. And you know, and I'm like, you're right. Okay. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> but it helps me because I think that totally. reminder at first is helpful to have somebody call you out when you're really getting in a space of like creating this whole story about something that's not Not true. even true. <laughs> God, we're so good at that. <laughs> I just create this whole circus. I'm like, what, what just happened? Yeah. I get I have an imagination. I get I love art and I'm creative, but there's no need to sit there and stress about something that's not even mm-hmm. true. Or if it is, what are you going to do about it? So that was doesn't my, serve you. my next like, question. What do you do when you know someone definitely doesn't like you? I, I mean, feel like this is rare because I know you and like everyone loves you. I don't know. I, I, uh, no. That's what people think, but I know I have people that don't like me. I mean, we all do. We all do. That's okay. And but that's I'm just curious how perception. you process that. I used to not allow myself to feel anger. Like anger was... It's part of why I was always stressed and and thinks that people were mad at me. Because if I could feel sorrow and like sadness around it, it's easier than being angry. Because being angry means that, you know, 
I'm not nice. And, and all this all this is funny right now because I'm sitting here and I'm talking and I'm like, okay, I grew up in this competitive environment with a bunch of dudes and I was like, nah. And then I'm also super sensitive. So none yeah. of it really, it doesn't match up. And I think that's what is so beautiful about this is because we're all trying to fit into these categories and guess what? It doesn't exist. You can be a bunch of everything. Yeah. Okay, back to my point. Area. Yeah. <laughs> so I have allowed myself to feel anger so I don't let that go away. I just sit in that anger for a second because I've noticed and I noticed with my body that I processed emotions without anger and it showed up in my body through physical ailments mm-hmm. and through skin stuff and through hormones. It, like I would hold all this trauma and pain in my body instead of releasing it, just being angry about it. Mm. I never was angry. I was like, oh, just, yeah, forgiveness straight away. And like, that's great. But like, that was what I learned when I first went through therapy after swimming. Uh, I was in therapy for two and a half years, two years, a couple of times a week. And it was over relationships and endings and, and different traumatic events and situations. But I just wouldn't be angry. I was kind of just in the blame of myself. Like I was just in this like victim role versus just being like, you know what? That upset me. Like I could never admit that. Mm. It was like, I must have done something wrong to cause this. I'm not enough. Right? So I went into this place of of that before anger. So I'm allowing myself to feel anger, even if it's not real. (laughs) Like even if it's not really like, okay, this person may not, she may really actually like me, but I'm going to be angry for a second and then process that. And what I've recognized is within that anger and within that processing of the anger that I've been able to understand better how I show up and what my stories are. Mm. Because what's skipping the anger caused me to then have an assumption about myself and more self-doubt than it would be without the anger, Mm. if that makes sense. So much. I was allowed to process that. And when I gave myself permission to, it was like, okay, I'm not jumping to judging myself. I'm going instead to saying, Caroline, why are you angry? What is it? What's really true? Instead of, oh my gosh, I'm a sack of shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's me. They don't like me. Mm -hmm. It must be something I'm doing. Let me change that so that I cater myself to them instead. Mm. So within this anger, fake anger, real anger, whatever it is, I can process a lot more about what's really happening and how I can best approach that situation. So I was the exact same way. Never let myself feel anger. I would just like be so upset and hurt and and victim and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the first time I experienced real anger was in December and I was going through something really hard with my ex-boyfriend. And I remember I was sitting on the bed and I wanted to rip this pillow apart. And I was like, Whoa. And it was almost like an out-of-body experience where I'm watching myself on the bed and I am like ready to hulk this pillow. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like everything's moving in slow motion. And there's like fire coming out of my head. Like it was crazy. I'm like, oh my, I don't recognize this version of myself. And I was like screaming louder than I've ever screamed. Mm-hmm. And I had a right to be upset, but I had just never seen myself like that. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of went away. And then I think it was a week and a half ago, I started feeling a lot of anger coming up again. And I was like, oh. And then one morning I was sitting here and Connor had left. He was at Deuce. So I'm sitting here alone and I'm journaling and I'm feeling so much rage. I I closed my eyes and I had a vision. I was breaking all the windows in mm-hmm. our place and I was punching holes in the walls. And I was I was terrified because I was like, I'm alone with these feelings and this is 
this is not okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know what to do with this. So I called one of my like mentors and healers and I told him what was going on. And he said, you don't understand anger because you never let yourself feel this emotion. Yeah. Yep. This is 31 years of an emotion that you suppressed. And now it is like raging inside of you. Yeah. And you don't know what to do with it. So yeah, that's scary. But he said, I still haven't done this and I really need to do it. But he said, I want you to journal and I want you to write down every single thing you can remember in your entire life that would cause anger. Yeah. And then you look at that list and you tell me that if what you feel right now makes sense and there is a reason for why you feel this way. Right. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. He was like, you have ignored every fucking thing someone has done to you Mm -hmm. because you forgave them Mm -hmm. or you let it go or you cried instead of got angry. And here you are wanting to punch a hole in a wall. Well, that's what we're told now in society is like, let it go. Just let it go. It's like, yes. And (laughs) like, also it's okay to feel things knowing that you have it within you to process through that. I think it's like such a shameful thing for a woman to be angry, right? And that's the entire women's movement right now, right? The Nike commercial. It's like women can't cry or be angry. And um, not saying that it has to, the pendulum has to swing so far the other way, but it's like, okay, you can feel those emotions and know that that too can be let go. Mm -hmm. But if you try and let it go before you feel it, it's not going to work. Nope. So, you know, yes, like follow the principles of letting things go, but you have to actually address the thing physically, emotionally, spiritually first before you let it go. And I thought that it was the opposite. You just like let go of it before I feel it. And then I would just be in this like pile of shit up to here in my Mm -hmm. body of not feeling these things that were so hard for me. Mm -hmm. So I love that story. That's really powerful about that. And I just, it totally made sense. I was like, well, just in the last year, I could think of seven pages of things that would warrant my anger right now. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think too, we need to feel validated in our emotions sometimes. Like, And that's why for me, journaling has been so important is because I can write it down. I can get the words out of my head, write it down, see it and be like, ah, like there it is. I don't know what the word is. Not like conceptualized, but maybe that's the word. Yeah. You know, but it makes it real. Yeah. You're like executing the feeling by writing it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it becomes real. It's tangible. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can feel it, see it, have all of the senses surrounding it versus just like letting it swirl. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Because we have so many thoughts every day. Mm -hmm. And so writing it down and just literally unburdening that load and getting it off your chest and onto paper then helps you, I think, work through all of that. Yeah. 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 I'm curious how, and this is what I'm working through right now, is this idea of softening Mm. and really stepping into my femininity Mm -hmm. and embracing that. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, not only doing it with myself and for myself, but in my relationship with Connor Mm -hmm. and really allowing him to play that masculine role and fully step into that for himself. Yeah. Because I have the power 
if I am soft and in my feminine, then he immediately drops into that. Yeah. And how you are navigating that in your life and what that yeah. feels like going from one extreme where I was too of like so mas- masculine and go-getter to now this. Yeah. It's like the quote, you can be soft and fierce at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I first want to start with the definition of soft. I think it has had a negative connotation surrounding it. It's like, oh, you're weak or you're too sensitive, which what does that even mean? First of all, like, what does everything mean? And and this, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. Uh, I have like a really big problem and I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong, but I I have an internal battle that I have daily with definitions of things in society. Mm. I get on this whole what does that even mean thing? You know, and, and I feel like we're all just like marching to the beat of the exact same drum sometimes and just believing all these things versus like creating our own definitions for ourselves. And I find myself doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, Caroline, like what is yours? What's yours? Before you believe what everybody's telling you, what's your definition of soft? Okay, sit down with my notebook. Soft is weak. Soft is too sensitive. Soft is... You're not allowed to cry over that. Soft is you won't perform well. Soft. And it's like this whole laundry list of negative things. And so until I really recognized what my version of it was, I couldn't really attach like what I wanted it to be yet, you know, because I wasn't like letting that go. Um, and I actually did this. I like it. <laughs> I actually like, wrote that down. And then I wrote down what I want it to be, like on the other column. And to me, softness is, it's water. Like, and I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's this feeling of fluidity. And that word just shows up to me over and over and over again. Like it's fluidity. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? Is that doing yoga for 20 minutes on the floor in your own house? Is that going to the store with your headphones on and just letting yourself buy whatever you want for a second? Like, I know this sounds really cheesy, but those types of things are stepping into the decision-making power as a woman to do things that nurture you. And whether that's going on a long walk or going getting a tattoo or whatever, everyone has their own definition of what softness is according to what they're vulnerable doing and what they feel comfortable doing that taps them into them, right? Someone can have the same definition of being hard, right? I'm gonna go get a tattoo, that's hard. Someone else is like, wow, that's really soft because I'm really getting in tune with my body and I love decorating my body. It's my, it's like, you know, it's art. And I know I have a friend like that. She's like, oh yeah, she's such a feminine tattoo, right? You know, she like Mm -hmm. loves that she's getting this art on her body, but somebody else is like, that's so hard. So it's your own definition, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for me personally, stepping into that softness for myself has been a lot about like literally touching my body, like being physical with my own self because I felt that I was like very cold and standoffish to myself for a long time. I was very shameful of my body because my body had been my prize, my prize for swimming, my prize with men, my prize with myself. Like my body was this thing to be desired and to be held on this pedestal of performance. And when I was done, I was not well. I was very unhealthy and I became so ashamed of what it, it wasn't doing anything anymore. You know, it wasn't doing anything. And then because I wasn't nurturing it and because I wasn't feeding it literally and physically and or literally metaphorically, whatever, 
figuratively. <laughs> um, I was so shameful of it. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be with my body. I wouldn't get massages. I wouldn't like, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch myself. It was weird because I was so physical when I was swimming. Like I was all like, oh, my body, you know, like I'm a very touchy You're half feeling. naked and yeah. like doing the thing. I love being naked. Like mm-hmm. I love giving hugs. I lo- I'm just a touchy person. Like that's my body language. That's my love language. Mm-hmm. And I was so shameful of it. So I went through that phase of just not connecting with it in that way. And so now it's, it's things like massages and acupuncture and self massages. And like, I lay, I literally lay out on my deck naked every day because <laughs> yes. nobody can see it. But I, I love being naked. Like, oh, I love, same. It. I just walk around naked. I mean, my neighbors are probably like, I don't understand what's occurring in this house, but she's always naked and the windows no, are open. No, they're probably saying, thank you so much for all your nakedness. Yeah. But it's really helped me become softer with myself yeah. instead of covering myself out of shame because mm-hmm. I wasn't producing anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I carried a lot of this, this physical self wasn't on the pedestal shame for a long time. And then the moment that I could be healthy again, I was like, what? You know, I mean, went through injuries, broke my heel twice, got septic knee, concussion, uh, E. coli. I mean, like all within a year and a half, like it was and like stuff in the news with the coaches abuse and things like that. Like it was all this stuff, like literally piled on my life in a year and a half. And I was like, what is this? Like what? And I think at the end of the day, this was teaching me that the things that I've spoken about before, too much, not enough, like chaos. Like it was teaching me all of those things because I was recognizing, okay, like you're sitting still long enough now. You literally can't walk. So you're on the couch for two years. Time to face your shit. You know, to, okay, your body's getting a little more womanly. You're getting your periods back because you've sat still. And oh, okay, this thing is becoming more useful for more things than just what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I reframed my entire relationship with softness and with my body through that process of hating it to sitting still to loving it. And I needed that that period of sitting still to recognize like, okay, like sat still long enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So as you have gotten more present in your body, in touch with your body, literally touching yourself, Mm -hmm. being naked. Yeah. How has that impacted what seems to be somewhat of a sexual revolution for you? So much. I don't uh, attach it with so much shame anymore. I don't attach it with I used to judge myself so much when when my relationships were over, over the the things that I chose. And I think that I'm recognizing now that throughout my entire life, like even as a young girl, that I was always so in tune and so intuitive and in touch with my body, but I would mask it because I thought that that's what everybody wanted me to do, you know, and that I was going to be judged. Mm-hmm. So I think it's this entire acceptance of non-judgment sexually, personally, like you like here I am, you know, cool. <laughs> like take it or leave it. This mm-hmm. is my body and this is what I this is who I am. And I think that that I mean I have been I've probably never been happier with my body in my entire life than I have this past year. And I can honestly say that. 
honestly, other than trying to navigate my period again, which just came back a year ago, literally a year ago in two months, I can honestly say that that has been, it's like opened me up. It's like heart is totally open. Like that chakra is just like flapping in the breeze, Mm -hmm. wide open to the sun, you know, like that is an open space for me now because I'm like, okay, I wasn't left. I wasn't cheated on. I wasn't all because of my body, because of myself. I didn't quit swimming because my body failed me. Those were all choices. Like it's not because of this thing that wasn't serving. So it's really opened me up in that way, just especially with my femininity, my sexuality. Do you feel like you have navigated your way through asking for what you want? And advocating for yourself in the bedroom, even with it's just even if it's just by yourself, you know, self pleasure, yeah, uh, masturbation, yes, or with partners, and knowing like it's okay for me to ask for what I want. Yeah. So I've never had needs in my life. Yeah. Which you just brought up another thing, uh, but that also goes along with the things I was saying. Is I, you know, I didn't want to be too much, or I, I was worried about being not enough, and like that addiction to chaos, because instead of speaking my needs and saying what I wanted, I went for what was survival and what was the way that I should be accepted instead of just speaking my needs. So I never had needs. I was the cool girlfriend that never had needs. I just did whatever. And then I got hurt every time. And I'm not saying that I got hurt because of not speaking my needs. And also what would have happened if I did speak my needs? Yeah. You know, so it's it's hard to not um dissect all of that. But I I vividly remember, I think it was like maybe a month ago or something. I was in my session with Sarah, my coach, therapist, and we were doing an exercise physically. Like I was standing on the other side of the room and I would have to speak out loud like my need of something or that I wanted something or, um, you know, like something about my body or something about like if they were coming towards me, like, hey, I want you to stop or things like that. Like mm. very interesting needs and wants. And I could not do it. Like I was bawling my eyes out on the other side of the room. Like I could not say like, I need this. Like I need to feel this or I feel this. And it would really help me if this, like I could not do that. I could not do it. And my first inclination was to laugh. Like I started laughing and she was like, that's your coping mechanism. That's great, but you're coping by laughing. So let's back up. And and, you know, that's also your personality. So I know you laugh, et cetera, but I could not speak a need to save my life. And that day I left and I was like, holy shit, Caroline. Like you, I had had a hard week because I was like, I have not said what I want (laughs) at all. (laughs) And so... um, whether it's in relationships or work or friendships, like I just didn't at all. So then I started small. Like I would text a friend before I would go to the gym and be like, I need a hug today. And that was super fucking uncomfortable. Like I would sit there and be like, great. Like this text message just looks needy. Like, you know, who needs a hug, you know? (laughs) But I would get to the gym and like, there's Kimmy or Embo, like hug, you know? And so it was like, they heard me and they saw me. And so being able to even start with just a friend to say that, it was huge Mm -hmm. because it was the first step, you know? And then you just expand upon it, whether it's family or relationships. You're like, hey, I need to feel a little bit of like, I'm having a tough day. I want to feel this. I need to have a conversation for five minutes and just connect. Mm-hmm. 
And that was so scary. It took me like two months to even be comfortable with that because I would immediately back it up with a statement that's like, I know that's a lot right now. So like, no worries if you're (laughs) you're busy. And like, no, you know, you can also, you can honor their time and whoever's time also. You can have both. Like you can say, I need to feel this way. And also if they're, you know, they have the choice to also say, hey, I need like 30 minutes and I'd love to have a conversation. Like they have that choice too. And I wasn't giving them the credit of having that choice by automatically assuming that I was too much for them mm-hmm. or that I was like stressing out about, you know, whatever. So insert chaos, right? Like by assuming they're too much, I'm like, yes, it's going to be, I'm just going to be chaotic for a second. Yeah, self-fulfilling. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something that I had to start doing where I got to start doing is putting myself in their shoes. So mm. like if I, I would think, okay, this is making me really uncomfortable. I don't want to go to this party or I'm really tired and I don't want to go to lunch. But because I'm a recovering people pleaser, I always want to make sure everyone's happy. And so I started thinking, okay, if I was her and I was getting lunch with me and I text and was like, hey, I'm really tired today. Can we please reschedule? There's not one time in the whole world where I'd be like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. No. <laughs> How dare you be tired? Yep. I'd be like, of course, whatever. Well, you were one of the first people that actually taught me this thing because we've been trying to do this podcast for three months. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, maybe four, three. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, I was thinking Doesn't on, matter. The, on your way here, I was like, you were on my list of people before I even started the show that yeah. I wanted to have on. I'm like, I can't believe it's took us this long. Yeah. But but I, what did I tell you the very first time? I was like, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was this stuff mm-hmm. because I had just started therapy again. I had taken like five years off. And when I started, it was like, whoa. And it was just everything all at once that had come up for me. And I was going through things in the present time and like past time all at once. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm trying to figure this out. (laughs) And right now I feel like I would just get on a podcast and start crying. Like I just, you know, and I told you, I like need some time or, you know, maybe we can do this another time. Like I, I can't even, I'm literally just sitting here in my house, staring at a wall, like crying. Like I can't get my shit together today. And I've sacked up for every fucking thing in my life. Like, and this was the first time that I think I've said, I need time to something that I wanted to do so badly. And you were like, hey, it's cool. We'll schedule another time. And I was like, what? <laughs> As if like nobody has ever done that before. But for some reason, it hit me so hard because I felt so supported and so seen in that moment that, hey, it's okay if I like cancel something because I need to take some time for myself to sort through my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it opened up a lot of things for me too, because I was thinking, have I always been that way? You know, have I, have I given people a hard time if they can't do things or, and the answer is no, but maybe on certain occasions, yes, because I would assume that they didn't like me and that they didn't want to do things with me. And I'm still going through this right now. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what does this mean about me? That you don't want to do that. What? This means that you don't like me, you know? And it's this whole thing. And so then I catch myself. I catch myself like 20 minutes faster now, like 10 seconds faster, one second faster to the point to where I don't have to feel that anymore. So uh, yeah, 
So anyway, that's my story on you. <laughs> no, I mean, thank you. I'm glad that you felt that way. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting when we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I do this often too. I have a lot of girlfriends who have young daughters and they're yeah. they're like my nieces, you know? And I look at them and I, when I'm going through something, I'll often try and think of what would I tell Isabel? Yeah. What would I tell Paige? Yeah. And I, God damn it, would hold her so tight and I would tell her everything's going to be okay. And then I would take all the pressure off of her and talk her through something. For some reason though, Mm -hmm. we don't do that to ourselves. No. We beat ourselves up so much and we're so mean to ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, no wonder we're constantly in this cycle of chaos because we just keep recreating it for ourselves. Right. But for someone else, we're like, I got you, girl. Let me show up for you yeah, so hard. Yeah. You need a hug. Oh, I'm going to hug you so, so well. hard. Yeah. You know, and it's just yeah. like, why can't we treat ourselves the way we would show up for one of our girls or for a younger yeah. woman? It's 1000% true and extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sit there and have the worst conversations with myself sometimes. And you're absolutely right about that. Like we're so hard on ourselves. And Sarah actually always stops and you're like, that wasn't very nice to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I don't even know I'm doing it. But I'm just like, oh, this is like really bad of me to say. But and she's like, time out. Like, okay, you're judging yourself right now before you even say it. So mm-hmm. let's just keep knowing that. Keep going. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> you know, she's so good about that. Cause I I don't for some reason, um, I've always thought that the harder I can be on myself, you know, against the chaos thing, like the more I'll succeed. So I actually had this conversation when I first joined Deuce Gym a long time ago and I recognized the negative feedback thing, like how they're so into like being honest with negative feedback and like giving that to people. I remember being confused at first. And I was actually talking to Logan about this. I was like, I feel like that just drives me into this place of like, you're a piece of shit, Caroline. Like you need to do better. And that's like really bad. And so I wasn't distinguishing, like I wasn't differentiating between negative feedback and self-criticism. I wasn't doing the constructive thing. (laughs) Like I was just either criticizing all this this negative feedback for myself. And I, and then when I started to realize like the difference between the two, it was really helpful because I'm like having more conversations with myself than just criticizing myself. Like, okay, what's showing up? Where does that come from? Why Why are you so angry at yourself for that right now? Mm. It's like having another Caroline 2.0 and you're just like talking to her back and forth and having that conversation, you know, mm. not younger, but like the soul ones like, hey, hey, what's what's going on? What is that? Is that serving you? Is that what it, why are you angry about that? Why are you so mad about that within yourself? Why are you beating yourself up? And answering those questions for myself is actually helpful mm. for processing it versus just sitting in that self-criticism because if you overcome it, you're going to feel really good and then everybody will make you feel better. It's like mm-hmm. such a younger girl version of that. Yeah. And I don't want to pass that on to my children and to younger women that I work with. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that's about a great that. way to think about it. Yeah. I think about that too. I mean, prime example, this morning I did, I don't even know what I did. I didn't send an email right or something. I got mad at myself <laughs> and I just like yelled. I was like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. And Connor's like, what did I do? And I was like, not you. And he's often, his reactions often tell me something without him even needing to say anything. Yeah. Like, Connor is good about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh Connor. <laughs> I feel like he's saying to me, one, 
why are you talking to yourself like that? But two, like, I would rather you talk to me like that than talk to yourself like that. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And I I take a step back and I think, you know, we're talking about having kids and, and yeah. doing all that stuff right now. And I'm like, I need to not do this because yeah. if my daughter is watching me talk to myself like that, yeah. what am I teaching her? Right. I, I'm so not okay with that. Yet I'm okay over yeah. here telling myself telling I'm a fucking idiot. That, yeah. It's like, true. Once you recognize that you wouldn't do that for somebody else yeah. that's younger than you, yeah, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. I know. I know. So it's hard. very humbling. So humbling. It's very humbling. And actually working with youth athletes does help that a lot because mm-hmm. you can't, you don't have the, you don't have the time for that. Like mm-hmm. you can't talk like that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I remember leaving sessions, even with my teenage girls and being like, do I, the advice I just gave her, like the thoughts that I just gave her, do I tell myself that? Like, is that something that I'm working on? Or mm-hmm. <laughs> no? Okay. Let's just do that. Totally. <laughs> it checks yourself. You know, you're like, whoa, children and youth are the best way to humble yourself. And to check yourself for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. And I think I'm learning that more and more and more and more. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. What do you mm-hmm. wish you had been taught or heard when you were younger? I feel like if I were to answer this question five years ago, it would have been don't overthink or you know, don't think too much. Don't overthink. And if I fast forward to now and it's like, what would you tell yourself? It would be to question your, not question yourself more, but like talk to yourself, like interrogate and understand why you're feeling certain things. Don't just do it to do it. Don't go through the motions. Don't show up how you're supposed to and everybody tells you to and that's how you are. Actually get curious with yourself. And I think that that's hard to tell youth because you don't want them to overthink. Yeah. You don't want them to judge themselves. But I think it's just having that honest conversation with yourself as a young woman that's really powerful. Why do you feel this way? What's showing up for you? You know, so so and so doesn't like you or your body or whatever it is. What does that mean for you? What does that actually mean? Okay, maybe I don't believe in myself and I don't think that I'm pretty. Right. Okay. So now what? So it's like ask, getting in touch with yourself and getting curious about why you think and feel certain things. Mm-hmm. I think that actually avoids overthinking because I think you overthink when you have assumptions. Mm-hmm. So I work on that a lot. Actually, I have two athletes left. Like Rebecca and I have gone from like teens to like two just so we can run the business. <laughs> but it's crazy how these two females, these two women that I work with, oh, they're so good about that now. And they teach me that, like getting curious with themselves. Like, I wonder why I think that. And I'm like, oh, you just, you started that conversation. I didn't have to. So instead of just saying, oh, well, I think that, yeah, it's just like not good to think. And so I don't even get it. And so everyone's going to be mad at me. And now I'm just going to go to bed stressed out. Instead of like, I'm going to try and figure out why I think that. Because I think that I shouldn't think that, but I'm feeling it. So like, I'm going to like see, oh, it was because on Tuesday... Somebody says something to me and it really upset me and now I get it. Okay, so, and then we go from there. So there's like a thing there where when they get curious enough, they can really understand how to accept themselves and understand that a lot of things are made up stories Mm. versus just overthinking the actual thing and running away. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is the most important thing that you are 
told or hear now. Mm. That it's okay to feel. (laughs) And that actually, this one's going to choke me up. Maybe, maybe not though. But that my intuition and the way that I'm wired and the way that I think and the way that I do my life is not too much and it's enough. (laughs) And that I think that has been something that has really helped me just hearing that on repeat for some reason has helped me Mm. understand that. I'm here and I'm not weird. I'm not like my intuition is not something to be ashamed of. I'm it's okay to be abstract and think outside the box and have a weird way of processing things. I don't have to do it like everybody else does. It's okay. Mm. I'm enough. I'm not too much. Period. <laughs> so that's been really helpful for me. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> you. <laughs> this has been fun. This is so I've been fun. staring at that painting the whole time. I know. Everyone, I'm just that's looking at a boob and an ass. So I mean, that's what we do here <laughs> in the Connor and Kelly household. I love it. This is fun. 